<clears throat> right. Well, as you know, it was a complete disaster last night. Um, I'm sorry. You'll never know. Well, maybe you do. The heart-sickening feeling of seeing your life's work melt at 10 o'clock on your lap. Um, so I'm preaching a sort of old message now. I had written a whole new one on Nathaniel, and I really wanted to preach it. But the Lord's ways are not our ways, are they? Um, so if I get confused, and you get confused, it's my fault. Um, all right, okay. Here we are, and I got 19 minutes. Alan said 10, I said 20. We met in the middle, I got 19. So um, what's that, quarter past 11? Okay. Um, right, question. Who's the most important person you've ever met? All right, next question. How did you prepare before you met them? What were you going to say? What were you going to wear? When I was like 18 or something, my dad started saying, you know, you've got to pay some rent, son. You've got to get a job. So I, I went for a job in Cardiff Bay, and uh, the boss up to that point in my life was the most important person I'd ever met because he had all the money that I needed to get my dad off my back. So I had a job interview with him and I went the whole week, I was preparing for it and I was the same size as my dad back then so I borrowed one of his suits and we went through all the things you're supposed to do in interviews, sit on your hands, don't sit on your hands, whatever it is. And um, right, okay, the day came and I uh, went to the interview and I was dressed smart and I was sitting in front of him, and then came the moment where I thought, I know, I'll ask him some questions, because that looks like I'm interested, doesn't it, when you ask them some questions back. So I went to pull out uh, a pen and a pad, because I was going to make notes of what he said to make it look like even more interesting. Uh, anyway, what happened is I pulled out not a pad, but a block of cheese. A block of cheese wrapped in cling film. So my pad was not there anymore, but the block of cheese was. Um, right, turns out, the night before, my dad thought, oh, Owen's probably going to get peckish during the day of interviewing. I put some cheese in his pocket. I don't even like cheese. But he put the cheese in the pocket, took my pad out. All right, okay. Did I blow the moment? I thought I did. Turns out, I did get the job. But they did call me Cheese Boy um, in that work. And then I was converted, and then they called me Christian Kid. Um, anyway, the point is, I thought I had blown it with the most important person I ever met. But I somehow still got the job. Right, Nathaniel, he's going to meet his hero in this passage. And he sort of blows it. But... The fact he blows it is the very reason that Jesus takes interest in him. All right? Right, so there's loads of people waiting for Jesus to come. Simeon, Anna, loads of believing Jews. Oh, they've been waiting for him. They've been reading about him in, his, in their Bible, and now they're hearing rumors that he's coming. All right, so we'll just look at 45. Uh, Philip then found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about. He's finally coming. The most important person we're ever going to meet. And then he's told where Jesus is from. It's Jesus of Nazareth. 
All right, so here's Nathaniel. He's been waiting to meet this guy, the one that the Bible's been talking about, the Savior, the Messiah. And he's told he's from Nazareth, and he goes, Nazareth? That's how I think he says it. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Do you hear the tone in verse 46? What? That's like, um, I don't know, if you're Swansea City fans, like you sign someone from Cardiff. Oh, what? Or in Cardiff, you sign someone from Swansea. No way, we don't want that. Um, Nathaniel is not giving a Sunday school answer here. He is doubting that his hero can come from a place like that. All right? In other words, Townhill, he doesn't worship right away. He wants to go and check out Jesus first before he gives him his life. Excuse me, Mr. Jesus, but I think you're doing a few things wrong here. You're not supposed to come from Nazareth. That's arch-rival territory, scummy place. You don't come from there. Excuse me, we've got an issue here. Um, I did a podcast interview this week on relationships. Like, why do uh, loads of people... Oh, I don't know if I should say this. Yeah, all right, no, it was about Christians dating non-Christians. Like, loads of Christians at the moment in church are dating non-Christians, and it's like, the interview was, is that good or bad? Does the Bible sort of say you shouldn't do that? And actually, it looks like it does. And it comes down to a trust issue. Like, I think someone's going to fulfill me in a way that Jesus can't. So I'm going to disobey what he wants of me and sort of go my own way. Because Jesus, you're not doing things right. When you tell me to live a certain way, you're not doing it right. So I'm not going to worship you fully. So this is a trust issue. Well, he's from Nazareth. Like, we can even come to church and not trust Jesus. You can do all your sort of church work. But really, he's not special to you. And you're sort of just making up for a void in your life by getting super busy in church. Yeah, you all do it. Anyway, like Jesus, God offers us the diamond of Jesus. And we just sort of come back with monopoly money of church life and feeling guilty. Like, is he really enough? I don't know. I better do church instead of coming to Jesus. I better live relationships my way instead of coming to Jesus. All that's going on with Nathaniel. He's got it wrong. So all of you in the room, if you need five minutes with God before you come and worship him this morning, you want to grill him. You want to give him an ear bashing because some things are in your life you're not happy with. All right, come back to the text. Up Nathaniel walks to Jesus, verse 47. But when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching with all of his doubts and problems and issues, he said of him, Jesus said of him, Hey, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Up walks Nathaniel with all the problems in his hand. With all the errors, God, you've done it wrong. I don't want to live your way. You're not so special to me yet. And Jesus sees him first and says, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, just pause, because Nathaniel's now dumbstruck, isn't he? He's going to his friends. Which one of you lot told Jesus that I was coming? How does he know that I'm an Israelite? How does he know anything about me? How does he know in me there's no deceit? To cut a long story short, because I don't have any time, that means... Like, he calls a spade a spade, he's blunt. Jesus knows he's a blunt character. Like my sister, if you go up to one of my sisters who, in her there's no deceit. Like, I've seen women go up to one of my sisters and say, do I look fat in this dress? And she goes, yes. Like, she is a Nathaniel. In her, 
there is no deceit. So he's, he got problems with Nazareth, and Jesus says, hey, Mr. Blunt, I know you. All right? So we walk up to God with our problems. We're not worshiping him this morning. And if you're not worshiping him, you have got problems with him. Be honest. That's why he's not worth your time. Really? That's why you're not living for him? And what happens is, actually, Jesus peers into his soul and sees exactly who he really is. And Nathaniel learns very quickly, I'm in way over my head with Jesus of Nazareth. He knows my deepest inner condition. He sees me when I get scared. He sees me at 10 p.m. when the laptop melts. He sees me when I cry. He sees me when I feel dejected. He sees me when I sin. He sees me when I worship. He sees everything, and he sees our sin this morning. Now, with all the authority of the Bible, I say to you, he sees you now. There are loads of people in this room, but he sees you. He saw you rolling up to Town Hill Baptist Church this morning with all of your issues, with all of your sins, with all of your calls for praise. He sees you all. And the standard to please God this morning, to actually for him to smile on us and be okay with us, is, you ready? Perfection. That's what we're dealing with. Otherwise, God has got a problem with us. The tables have turned in it. We'll come to Jesus, all right, we'll give you an hour Sunday morning. Actually, now we're finding out maybe he's got a bit of a problem with us. And maybe we're not, we're not worth his time. All right. What's the worst news in the Bible? Or the most scary news? God is good. Because we're not. And that's a problem. If we want to go where he is, when we die, we've got a problem. If you mark our iniquities, Lord, who can stand? Um, suddenly the tables have turned. Right, I got a friend, like, you might be thinking I'm not as bad as the person next to me. All right, but the standard is perfect, perfection. I got a friend, he's trying to lose weight, he's a, he's a minister, and he's being quite chuffed with himself. He'd gone on a diet, and he's looking in the mirror, and he was like, hey, I'm looking good. And, uh, but then recently he went to Center Parks with his sister and his sister's boyfriend, who's an underwear model for Next. <laughs> and um, he said he was standing at the side of the pool with him. And suddenly, he realized he's not quite there yet next to this chiseled underwear model. Oh, man, my local standards were all right. And fair play to him, great. He was doing great, and he is doing great. But, oh, next to the standard. And when God sees us, forget Betty next to us. The standard is perfect. Otherwise, there's a bit of a problem between us. The Bible says we're stained. Um, all right, okay, I better wrap all this up already. Sheesh. Okay. Is this then the most depressing Sunday morning ever? Is there any hope for anyone? All right. The story of Nathaniel is amazing because there is hope. There is love. There is peace on offer this morning. Um, According to the passage of Nathaniel, are you ready? If you remember nothing else today, remember this. The only type of person that God is interested in is a broken person. The only type of person that God is interested in is a broken person with doubts and sins and hang-ups and issues and worries. That is the only 
type of person that God is interested in. That is the best news that Nathaniel ever had. The fact that Jesus saw him inside out with all of his issues. Luke 5.32, Jesus says this, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This passage shows that it's a glorious thing that God knows everything about you. It means this, he's not going to get one up on you. He's already seen you at your worst. And he still called you here this morning to hear about hope and peace and life. Look at the language in verse 49. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, that's not depressing. You know me. You are the son of God, the king of Israel. There is hope. There is peace uh, on offer this morning. Yeah, all right. So we come as we are, filthy, dirty, sinful. Changes will occur. We are to grow to become more like Jesus. We are to become more holy and close to him and all that. But this morning you come as you are without one plea. Just say, yep, okay, guilty. You know me, I'm not perfect. All right, I need to be saved. Can you come in and save me, please? All right, my last question sort of is this. Why aren't you coming? All right, why aren't you coming to God this morning? Do you hear a conversation between some devils uh, the story goes like this. They were talking, they were saying, how do we get people in hell with us today? And one of them goes, oh, we could try and convince them that there's no afterlife. And one of them goes, nah, because everybody's got a sense that there's something else coming. So don't do that one. Another one says, oh, we could convince them that there's a day of judgment coming and they're all in big trouble. Uh, and they're like, mm, okay, everybody sort of knows that anyway. There's this accountability in us. All right, that's done. That hasn't really worked. All right. And one of them then says, we could convince them that there's no rush. That's it. Get them keep coming to church week in, week out, but not actually coming to Jesus. That he's not the treasure. Just doing church instead. There's no rush. So I'm asking you again now, come as you are. Why aren't you coming? All right, we're churchy people, some of us. We're really complicated We've come before, we still get depressed, we still cry at night. We didn't date the bad boy growing up. We never really got wasted in school at the parties. But still we lie in bed at night thinking, why do I feel slightly sort of empty? This church stuff isn't cutting it. Others of you, you're bringing your kids along because you'd love them to come to Jesus. But you don't even come to Jesus. We're so complicated. I'm preaching, I'll come to Jesus. And you're thinking, oh, shut up. You don't know anything. You look about 15 years old. You don't know anything about my life. You can't just call me now to come to God. It'll just turn my life upside down. You're not in the real world, Mr. Preacher. This Christian stuff's for you. Every time I want to come, I try, but Monday I fall again to the same sin, and I'm in this circular pattern over and over and over again. I don't want to come to church, really. Don't really like my Bible. When I sin, I just want to watch Netflix, go on a binge, get wasted, lock myself away. Like, I'm alone in this church. No one really knows me. I'm the complicated one. I can't come. I am alone. Nobody really gets me and why I'm not coming. Well, let it be known, Jesus saw you under your fig tree this morning before you came. Where were you? Sitting in your front room, haven't you? Rice Krispies, he saw you, and he's brought you here to say, give it all to me. Doubts, fears, sins. Leave it with me, 
And we look at him on the cross where he proves by giving his life for sinners that he loves us more than anybody else in the whole universe loves us, even more than your spouse or your children or your job people, more than they love you. He wants the best for you even more than the person who loves you most on planet Earth wants the best for you. He saw you come in this morning and he's like, the righteous are going to die for the unrighteous to bring you to God and change your life around and give you joy and peace. It means this morning as we close, your rudest, most blasphemous internal sin that you hide from everyone is not a reason to hide from him, but a reason to come to him this morning. He died for sinners to wash them clean. The joy of being known completely. My prayer for the children is they start a life of knowing and enjoying God. And every day they come with their sins and every day they know the joy of forgiveness and they live for him. You need to do that too. It's the best life on planet earth. I'll end with this. Um, hand him your sins, you get so much more back. Live for him, you'll get so much more back than living for yourself. When I got married, which was like, ages ago now, I walked down the aisle to Rita and all I had in my name was student debt and a fish tank. That was all my possessions in the world. And she had a house, a mortgage, a car. I wasn't marrying, for that, marrying her for that stuff, but I loved it, all that I have, Rita, I give you. Yeah, and I was, come on, let's have it back. Owen, oh, all that I have, I give you. Yeah, all right, riches I never had before. I got a car, how's a wife, a chef, sort of. No, a salary, all that stuff. All right, you hand Jesus his sins this morning. You will get so much more back. Trust him with that. Test him with that. Start putting to death your way of living and test him on how he wants you to live. You will gain an experience of riches that you have not gained elsewhere. Because he is the living God. Sinners have never been loved like this before. For his name's sake. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to close by singing. How deep.